Uh, Father, we do want to thank you that uh, uh, as you love the Lord Jesus, you tell us what is important about him. And we pray that we might tonight learn what is important about him so that we might love him too. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Two Timothy, uh, sorry, that's a bad start. Isn't it? One Timothy, chapter two, and verse one. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I obtain the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I've read a bit more than I got paid to read this evening, but uh, take the last two verses for free. Let me, uh, let me uh, stop there because uh, I think the children are going to just magically disappear. Watch and see. Well, that was a good despairing act. We're going to uh, look at this part of the Bible and learn from it. And here's the question started. Why do Christians make Christianity such an exclusive club? And look, there are lots of different religions, aren't there? And they may call God different names, but surely they all believe in the same thing? Why can't people just get along and mix and match and make the most of the best of the different uh, religions that you have? Why is it that Christians always bang on about Jesus all the time? Now, uh, tonight... We're going to look at that little bit of the Bible and to take one description of Jesus, where he's called a mediator, and to see how just that one description of Jesus answers all the questions about why do we go on about him nonstop. He'll answer all the questions about what about the others. Because the mediator is Jesus. And the alternatives are muddle. So tonight we're going to look at just those two things. Jesus the mediator and muddle. If you don't get that right. Okay? So we start with the mediator and uh, see what Jesus is as a mediator. Now let me ask you. What's your DIY uh, skill level like? How do you fix things when they break? Now, we all live in a DIY world. Uh, Rob and Hannah went to uh, um, I- Ikea 
uh, where everything is there for you to fix. And we all like to, to fix things, don't we? And Debbie and I uh, bought a, a house and uh, we decided that we were good at DIY and therefore we went to get the flat pack furniture. It takes us on a good day <laughs> with practice three hours to put up a wardrobe. And uh, we are now fed up with wardrobes. It just takes so long. We go there for a holiday. We spend all the holiday doing one wardrobe. And they're getting tired after that. And you do the wardrobe and you think, well, it more or less looks okay. But it does take three hours to put up. And it takes another three hours to work out where the three big bolts at the end left over are significant. And we decided that when it came to actually put things into the walls, we would get a professional in. And the professional, before he put anything to the wall, he took a meter out, and he goes and he finds out if there's any electricity behind the wall he's just about to drill into. And we suddenly discovered that actually DIY can be a very dangerous thing. Uh, it's uh, what people discover. You think you can make it, you actually can't. Now, if DIY is dangerous when it comes to fixing things into walls, like bathroom cabinets, let me tell you, DIY is incredibly dangerous when you try fixing up a relationship with God. And uh, we need to understand that um, the Bible tells us it is uh, uh, where we need a professional to come in we need Jesus, who comes in as a mediator. There is great danger around. And you can see that in what the Bible tells us God desires. In verse 4, he desires all people to be saved. What does that tell you? That tells you that all people are not saved. Or people are not safe. That's why we need a mediator. But it's very easy for us to not see the danger that we are not safe. And what the Bible tells us is that when we disobey God, it is an incredibly serious thing. The Bible calls disobeying God sin, okay? Nice small world for a long word. So, <coughs> sin is incredibly serious. We don't think it is. We think it's just a matter of making a mistake and then you pick up the phone and you ask God to forgive you and it's all done. It's as easy as that. We think God's job in the universe is to forgive. But actually, God's, judge, uh, God's job in the universe is to uphold his justice. In other words, when wrong things happen, it is his role as judge to punish. And it is a serious thing to understand that uh, we have offended uh, a God whose job it is to punish sin. Now, we think it's not that serious because what we do is we balance it off with some good stuff we do, and if we are really good, particularly in some areas where you can let slip in another area or two. It doesn't matter so much because the balance will come up in your favour. Let me tell you, um, 
I don't know how many England cricket fans there are, but let me tell you about Ben Stokes, who is a class all-round cricketer. He is brilliant with the bat. Uh, I think he's got the world's record for a number six score. He's got double centuries. This is test cricket we're talking about. He is a complete star. And when he gets bowling, he usually gets people out as well. Now, this is not just your ordinary all-rounder. This is a match, a game-changer. He is that good. But in September, he was caught on CCTV punching two guys. And he lost his place in the England test team that's touring Australia right now. Because although he was very, very good, just that one slip-up cost him his place in the team. And that's how it is. We think that actually if we're generally good over a very long time, then the one slip-up doesn't matter. But actually, if it matters in the ordinary choosing of a team in a cricket game, but it matters much, much more when it comes to understanding what our offence is like in front of God. So we may not see things that seriously. We may think they're small. We may think we can cover them up with the good. But nothing in the DIY range can fix that. And we are all in that position because God desires all men to be saved. And our difficulty when we think that it's just a question of, you know, keeping Jesus in the back of your mind, well, we begin to treat Jesus more like a mascot than a mediator. In other words, here's someone who, yeah, we go to church and, yeah, Jesus is there as a part of the, 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 the program, but he's just there on the side. Uh, what we do is we come to church and we've got the self-help programs to, to do it all for us. We can do it yourself. Jesus is just slightly on the side as a mascot, uh, the team we play for. And we discover that actually that is uh, not what he is. He is a mediator. When you see what Jesus had to do to fix things in verse 6, he gave himself as a ransom for all. Giving himself, it means that he had to die on the cross to pay for our sin. And therefore his death shows us the seriousness of our sin. You will never measure your life any other way in terms of getting God wrong. Because we will always scale down how we're doing. But the only way you can understand, you can properly understand what your life looks like to God is when you suddenly discover that a man had to die for you, an innocent man had to die for you to put things right with God. That's how serious things are. And our DIY stuff doesn't come close. He had to die to fix it. And that's what a mediator does. Now, unless we get that right, what we end up with is muddle. And a muddle is a thing where you've got lots of choices, 
and you don't know which way to go and uh, model can happen in a load of different ways and it can particularly get muddled if you just think of an ordinary house. You know how it is with the house? You get the house. When we walked into our house, it was completely <coughs> empty. But after a while, clutter builds up, doesn't it? And every now and then we need a clear up. Well, it was like that in uh, the church too, because after the Bible was written, uh, the church kind of expanded and grew, and it came to be that the Roman Catholic Church in the West was a major group of Christians around. And like a house develops clutter, they soon built up a pile of extras to fix our relationship with God. And so, yes, they said Jesus is the mediator, but plus, 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 they said you also have to have a priest. And a priest that will say the Mass for you, will offer sacrifices for you. So that the priest was a kind of little mediator on the side as well. And Jesus was mediating, the priest was a mediator. And you needed both. The clutter was building up. They said, uh, you need Mary. Mary is important to bring her motherly influence to bear so that Jesus will listen to you more than if you just spoke to him yourself. Because if mum's on your side, hey... Uh, you're going to be scoring points, aren't you? So they added on that little uh, addition as well. C.S. Jesus was mediator, but look, if Mary came along and spoke on your behalf to no harm done, every bit of good done. And then they said, well, what about some priests? Uh, some saints, we'll get saints. So they sainted this person who was good, they sainted that person who was good. All the DIY people who did good, they were turned into saints, and they can talk to you, or talk, talk to God on your behalf as well. So you have a special saint, and you would pray to the saint, the saint would pray for you, and yeah, Jesus was mediator, but other people were doing the work as well. And the list of those saints keeps growing. Now, that's when uh, dear Martin Luther, uh, the proper one I mean, uh, turns up. And he said, um, the, only, the only semblance to rob there is the beret, and even that the colour is wrong. So... Um, there he was, Martin Luther. And what Martin Luther did was to essentially start a clear-out in the church. And uh, he looked at the Bible and he said, all those different mediators around, let me tell you, from this part of the Bible, there is only one mediator between God and and man, and the mediator is Jesus Christ. And so he said, No more other mediators, it's Jesus alone, except this book, Latin in those days. So what he said was Christo uh, alone, or solo Christo. I know the other endings are sola, 
But take it from me, Latin endings are different, they're confusing. I failed Latin twice. <laughs> but solo Christo it is. Christ alone. But then clutter builds up in every house. The Church of England started off with brilliant leaders saying, Martin Luther is right, only Jesus. Great start. And then in that house, clutter builds up. And in these days, Jesus once again is more mascot than mediator. And there are many in the Church of England who even deny that there is any danger to be worried about, that you need a mediator to help you with. And so, once again, in our church today, we need to understand how Jesus is our mediator. And we say, hold on a minute, how can you say that in London? London's a multicultural city. I mean, we have different people from different places. Uh, I think I can count up nine different countries in the room at the moment. Um, and I think I might have, I, and I don't think I can count properly, it might be more. Now, in London, can you dare say only Jesus can get you right with God? I know Paul wrote this to, Titus, uh, to Timothy, but where in London? He can't say the same thing now. But the point is that Timothy lived in a place called Ephesus, and Ephesus was multicultural and multi-faith. In fact, they had a whacking great big centerpiece religion in Ephesus, and it wasn't Christianity, it was the worship of the goddess Diana. And they didn't like Christians one little bit because the Christians turned up and they stopped, became Christians and they stopped buying stuff that they could take to Diana and, her, and they buy, stopped buying Diana ornaments and things like that. But Paul says, Jesus, the only mediator between man and God in that multi-faith city they needed to know. Not because Jesus is exclusive, because if you look at verse 4, you will see that God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But Jesus is the only way through which all men will be saved, whatever previous religion, background anyone might have. So, what can we say about this for ourselves in Dagenham today? If Jesus is the, the only mediator between God and man, let me start with someone who may not be sure they are Christian and they want to know what Christianity is about. Let me come at it like this. Let me ask you, what does God desire for you? If you're not Christian, what would you say God's desire for you is? Well, this tells us, doesn't it? It tells us that God desires you to be saved. 
That's his big desire. And it's not that God's a harsh God wanting to punish you. It's God wants to save you. In fact, if you look at verse 3, it says that God is a saviour. For there is... Um, sorry, in verse 3, this is goodness, pleasing the sight of God, our Saviour. That's what God wants to do for you. His desire is that you should be saved. There's a film I watched a while back. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Perfect Storm. Have you seen The Perfect Storm? It's a, a, a great film, slightly sad film, because what happens is this fishing boat goes out and he goes, wants to catch fish. And it so wants to catch fish that... It ignores the weather forecast and it doesn't realize it, there's a storm brewing but they say we can handle storms no problem but this is the perfect storm this is a storm and all the forecasts say no one will survive and they say yeah we'll survive and the storm hits and the boat has no chance and that's why it's a sad film at the end as you see it go down. Now that's the point you see. All of us are heading for the perfect storm of God's judgment. We're not going to get through it and think, okay, we might just uh, uh, get through this. Uh, we should be okay. And it's no point denying that the storm is coming when God has taken so much trouble to st save us from it. And all other religions and spiritual systems and everything else say the weather forecast has got it wrong. It's not that bad. But the God of the Bible tells you the truth. You need to be saved. And the only reason it can give us that truth without any frills or um, uh, 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 sugarcoating on it is simply because God has a mediator who can save us. So he can tell us we need saving because he can also tell us where to go. And so we are told that no one needs to be left out. Whoever you are tonight, if you're not a Christian, God desires you because he desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So I guess you've got a choice tonight, haven't you? Either you shrink the danger or you go for safety. There's the two options. What happens if you're someone who's been around churches before you've done the church tour and you pick up Christianity from different places? I think our danger, if you've knocked around churches and gone around and picked up different things, is the clutter has built up. And the end is, result is that muddle can build up. And the difficulty with churches is that they seem to be pointing us the right way, but really they can do their own little DIY system of how to get right with God. If you do what our church tells you to do, well, whatever it is, there's always a checklist, and if you tick those boxes, well, God's going to be happy. And the lesson from 500 years ago is you need to clear out the stuff we picked up from the past so that we can start living solo Christo, Jesus-only lives where Jesus-only is the center of our gravity 
and the, the centre of our gratitude and uh, we shape our lives around him. So he doesn't just simply become a name tag, a mascot. He becomes what our lives are all about because he keeps us safe. What about if you're a real believer and you know that your life needed bigger fixing than you could manage and you understood that Jesus is a mascot but you know this passage tells us as a way of testing whether you've really understood that Jesus is the mediator and it's there in verse 4 have you seen his desire for all people to be saved and to come to acknowledge the truth that's the whole point of this church on this estate is because we understand as a church that Jesus desires all men to be saved and to come to acknowledge the truth. There is no one who is strong enough by themselves to put themselves right with God. And that's why I think it's interesting to read about leaders in verse 2. Can you see? The leaders in verse 2 are the ones that need to be prayed for because God desires all men, including them, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Leaders are the people, the interesting people, who can save other people, can't they? They are the powerful ones. They snap their fingers and they can do you, do you favors, almost any favor. Except when it comes to this. They need to be saved. So... What's your understanding of Jesus' mediator? Is it an understanding that drives you out wanting all men to be saved? That's God's desire. There's no higher desire that we can have. And so what do you do when even leaders come in front of your eyes as they do frequently on the screen every night? What do you do when you see Prince Charles laying the wreath and here's the guy who is going to be the future head of the country and he's a very powerful man if you've been reading the newspapers you've understand recently how rich the queen is that she parks her money in, in other places well that is power but he needs to be saved when you see Theresa May and uh, Jeremy Corbyn stand next to each other what do you think does it depend on what kind of political party you are as to whether you like one and don't like the other or do you say, actually, I'm a Christian. I want both of those people to be saved. What happens when you hear about dear old pretty Patel coming back from Uganda? And she didn't make Uganda. She, she only got as far as Kenya. Um, <clears throat> which is, Kenya, if you want to know, is just a place that you stop at if you want to go to better places. Um, and, 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 you know, she couldn't get anywhere better than Kenya. She had to come back home again. Why? And lots of people watched the film, 25, uh, watched the plane coming in, 25,000 people watched her fly back to Downing Street. Why? Because there are all sorts of questions about what she did in Israel, but the point is, when you see her, what does she need most? What's your greatest desire for Priti Patel, for Jeremy Corbyn, for Theresa May, for the Queen, for... Prince Charles, for all the leaders that you see, 
What happens when you see Donald Trump on your telly? Well, the greatest desire is that he would be saved. That shows you you've got a handle on Jesus as the mediator, that even the most powerful person needs to be saved by him. And if that is the greatest desire in God, let's make it the greatest desire in us. And so verse 2 becomes then a practical sign of a person who knows that Jesus is the mediator. We pray for all people. Uh, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. And even leader people, even powerful people, because all their DIY skills might work in a whole range of different areas, but it won't fix our relationship with God. We need to pray. Let's stop there and let us do what we said. Why don't we just simply pray? You pray, then I'll pray. And then we can take questions and answers after that. Questions and uh, yeah, comments after that. So let's uh, have a moment where we pray. Let me pray. Father, we do want to thank you for revealing to us uh, our danger that uh, we uh, need to be saved. Thank you for also revealing to us your desire that we should be saved because you are God, our Saviour. And we thank you that in keeping with that, in line and consistent with that, you sent the Lord Jesus to be a mediator who would give himself as a ransom for us to be safe with you. Please, would you help us, if we're not yet Christians, to ask Jesus to be our mediator and to apply all that he did to our lives to bring us safety. And please, Father, would you help us not to treat the Lord Jesus as a mascot, but as a mediator who is in the centre of our lives, the centre of our love, the centre of our gratitude, and the centre of our obedience. And we pray, Lord, that as we grow in our conviction that you desire all men to be saved, please keep us praying with intercessions and prayers and supplications for all people. And help us when we see the important ones who don't seem to need any help from anybody else. Please help us nonetheless to trust what the Bible says that they need to be saved by you. Give us these deep convictions, we pray. And by your Holy Spirit, write them into our lives. And we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.